DAB Plus online via the Talksport app and on your smart speaker. UFL All Access on Talksport 2. Welcome to EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. As Daniel Farkas Leeds United stun the Foxes late on Friday night as the title race heats up. Leicester have got a five-man wall and they've got McAteer lying down behind it. James has blasted it through the wall and the keeper. Leeds United have won it. The title race is back on. Speaking of which, is it starting to slip away from Southampton? Surprise defeat at home against Millwall left the Saints boss Russell Martin seeding. I really don't care about the other teams and what they're doing. We'll focus on us as we have done all season. When all the everyone's getting credit for look, winning those however many games you did unbeaten, and the same way now after losing three and four or whatever it is. So um, yeah, I really don't care about the other teams. And despite only arriving in the summer, Watford surprised many when they handed their manager Valerian Ismail a contract extension back in October. Four months later, is he on the brink of being sacked? This is what he had to say about his plans for the club when we spoke to him back in October after that extension. To change the mentality, to, to put more discipline in the in the squad or on the, the seat, to create that work ethic within the, the club, um, to stick together and... Um, and now to, to give the chance to the young players to, to develop. So will Watford be on the hunt for their 11th manager since 2020 or will Valerian be afforded more time? I'll get the thoughts of the former Arsenal and Stevenish midfielder Adrian Clark on that and many of our other topics this evening. This is EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. Hello, good evening. Thank you for joining us. This is the start of what feels like another big evening of EFL action. But it isn't because we got live FA Cup fifth round action a little bit later on. It's just got that feel because we'll see Coventry City try and be the team that stops Maidstone United, non-league Maidstone United's incredible journey through the FA Cup this season. Um, Are we allowed to support the team that's going up against the EFL team on EFL All Access? It's just the romance of the cup. All right, it's dragged me in, and hopefully tonight we get another wonderful story. We'll have a kickoff for you uh, from 7.45. Before then, as I say, loads for us to discuss with Adrian Clark, who's already at the CBS Arena for us. Good evening, Adrian. Good evening, Hugh. How are you? I'm good, mate. I'm good. I'm, I'm well, I, I was going to say I'm still high from Friday night and the incredible atmosphere at Ellen Road, but I went to Ewood Park on Saturday, and, and Norwich and Blackburn brought me back down to earth. All right, I'm... <laughs> I'm okay for now, but I did want to start with Friday night because it was absolutely electric inside Ellen Road. Uh, I was getting messages all evening from from friends basically saying, you know, we're all Leeds fans for a night here. Everyone wants Leeds to win. Everyone wants this to be a title race and not a title procession for Leicester City. Afterwards, we spoke to Enzo Maresca. He was fairly relaxed. Leeds United, of course, uh, scoring three late goals to complete a big turnaround in that game. There were a host of great opportunities for Leicester in that second half. Some guilted chances. To be fair to Leeds, they probably should have scored more in the first half as well. But then we saw a dramatic late finish. Connor Roberts, Archie Gray uh, deflecting in uh, a goal. And then that, that 20-yard free kick from Dan James that we heard a little bit earlier on meant the gap is now six points. Just how 
positive, is it, for the league, if you like, that we get this storyline and we get a change at the top in terms of just, you know, 12 points would have been pretty much the end for most people. Yeah, it's tremendously exciting, no doubt about it, because we, we all want it to be competitive. You want the interest to be kept alive until towards the end of the season. And it, it was looking like a procession. This result changes things, changes the dynamic a little bit. Leads are within reach now. They'll start to believe that they can go on and win the championship title, where many felt that that would, would have been impossible not so long ago. It's been it's been a ridiculous run of form, hasn't it, mm. from Leeds United? Um, you know, across the last ten games, they've earned you know eight more points than anybody else in the division. That's why they've put themselves in the mix. In terms of that game, Hugh, it could have gone either way, couldn't it? I think that Leicester, by and large, played pretty well. They were unlucky, in my opinion, not to get that second goal, wrongly disallowed. And then they had big chances to build on that lead. It was really only a late collapse that that gave it to Leeds United. But I did admire the spirit of Leeds and, and under Daniel Farker. They've, they've got plenty of that. I uh, was listening to the sports bar, Adam Cattrall, on the way home from Ellen Road, just listening to fans phone in. And a lot, listen, a lot was made of the refereeing performance in the game and a lot was made of that goal uh, that was not given. Probably should have stood and put Leicester 2-0 up and at that point, maybe they could have controlled the game to victory. But, um, you know, Adam Cattrall made a point. He said, I would rather see football like that with that occasional mistake and that great atmosphere and drama that was at Elland Road on Friday night, then see us quabble over VAR decisions each and every week. And I think most EFL fans would agree. Oh, yeah. No, I, don't, I wouldn't want VAR in the EFL at all. So, no, we have to accept that mistakes will get made every now and again. And that is potentially a big one in the title race. But, but I, I think for the positives that we get, with none of these lengthy stoppages going over and over lines and, and whatnot and, and having debates over it, I, th- I think, yeah, watching EFL football is much better than watching Premier League football mm. in terms of the cons- sort of fan experience. So, um, no, I, I, I would rather take mistakes like this. And I'm sure Leicester will dust themselves down and, and, and bounce back. That's what's happened when they've lost games this season. They're very, very consistent. I still think they'll be top two. I still think they'll actually win win the championship title because that, that was that was still a very impressive team. No, no one's really gone to Ellen Road and come close to what Leicester City produced in that match. I think that, that the scoreline definitely flatters the home team. I asked Enzo Maresco if we had any concerns. I went to the game against Middlesbrough at King Power. They were beaten after missing some incredibly good chances in that game. They were beaten at Leeds. They missed some fantastic chances once again. He says no concerns because at least we're making the chances, but... I think you need to, if you're going to win the title, hang your hat on a goal scorer. Most teams do. All right, Leeds United might have three or four at this point in time, and they're coming. Let's be honest, in front of goal, things seem to be clicking for them. They just seem to to run out goal scorers. Threes and fours at the moment, you know, they've just hit that level of form. Leicester aren't doing that. That means that in every game, it's going to be close, even if they dominate possession. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. Yeah, they're probably less... High scoring at the moment than a Leeds United, but look, come on, they got they got Pats and Dacca, they got Jamie Vardy, they've got Mavadidi who's been banging them in all season. Kin and Dewsbury Halls, you know, scored plenty of goals. I don't think that I don't think there's a concern for Leicester City. I think if they start to lose on a more frequent basis and you know those slip ups against Middlesbrough, if they're repeated two or three more times, then they're in trouble, of course. But I, I just don't see that happening. I still think they're a they're an excellent team. 
and I believe they're motivated to bounce back and, and ultimately go on and win the league. They were two great teams yeah. on Friday night and, and two teams that I think will return to the Premier League stronger than when they left it. Okay, all right. It was a fantastic uh, evening of entertainment and it leaves me feeling at least that we can talk about the table uh, top with just a little bit more, you know, every, each and every week trying to do EFL All Access and talk about the top of the championship. It's been hard for a while, let's be honest. You know, they were just that good at the top of the table, all right. You know, Ipswich had a little bit of a blip period. Some people had expected that to happen. Southampton's great uh, record unbeaten run. Now you've got Leeds United absolutely flying equaling a club record nine straight league wins you know I'm hoping that there's a little bit more change in there as well and these four can maybe get a little bit closer together as we reach the kind of final five or six games set us up for a grandstand finish but um, it was the kind of game that wet the appetite you were hoping it would be the kind of game that would lead the two sides level on points rather than six and maybe that's why Enzo Maresca was just a little bit more relaxed at the end of that game um, but anyway let's talk about Ipswich next because they were, they're looking to get themselves back into you know, that decent, you know, consistent winning form that they had towards the start of the season. And they're getting there, I think. Ipswich 3, uh, Birmingham City 1, uh, Connor Chaplin uh, in the first half as well. Lovely goal from him. Um, I think Birmingham were pretty good in the game, to be perfectly honest. But late goals from Jeremy Sarmiento, uh, Amari Hutchinson as well, rounded off a fourth win in four league games. So, Ipswich, are they going to have something to say about the top two? Are they going to have something to say about the top two? I think they might. Yeah, well, they're in the race. Of course they are. They're absolutely in it, aren't they? It's, um, you know, 13 goals in four games, Hugh. They're, they're flying again. This was this is a really good display. 26 shots, nine on target. You know, they've got depth. They've got subs that can come on and change the game. Amari Hutchinson, a player I saw at Arsenal come through the ranks, is, is blossoming. No doubt about that. Sarmiento too. So... Yeah, I think Ipswich absolutely are in the conversation. They're not they're not going anywhere, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, I tend to agree with you on that. And I think one of the key things for me is just the goal scoring. Like mm. I know I mentioned it, you know, a few moments ago, but they hit three uh, this time out. Four mm. against Rotherham, albeit it wasn't their best game, all right. Two against Swansea, but then four the game before that yeah. against Millwall. Not many clean sheets. They need more of those. They yeah. definitely can improve defensively. They're not the perfect team, but they're just riding on a wave, aren't they? Mm. Ipswich fans can't really believe they're still in the mix, but they absolutely are. And what, what a story that would be. Because Look, let, we can all admire Leicester and Leeds and Southampton, the three teams that came down last season. They've got quality. They're great to watch. But Ipswich is the story yeah. here, aren't they? They're the story. They, from where they were a couple of years ago, languishing mid-table in League One, to where they are now on the verge of the Premier League is extraordinary. And, um, yeah, personally, I'd love to see them stay the course and, and challenge all the way. Yeah, and it's great to see um, the well wishes from the Ipswich uh, Town fans for Tony Mowbray as well. Of course, uh, one of their former players there. We wish Tony well um, still, you know, six to eight weeks away uh, from returning, we're told. OK, um, listen, Southampton, who in all of this, we felt like, you know, we're going to be the strongest team for second for a while there. You know, you're going 24, 25 games unbeaten. Suddenly, you know, it's like, well, who's going to beat them? Now it's three defeats in four, beaten at home this time around by Millwall. Neil Harris returning and making a winning start. Um, third defeat in four, as I mentioned, mm. unbeaten in 25 before that, losing ground on the automatic promotion places. Millwall's first win at Southampton since victory at the Dell in August of 1989. 
So it shows you what kind of impact Neil Harris made in his first game. What does it mean for both sides? Because I think, as we heard at the top there, Russell Martin... You know, not happy at all with his team. No, not happy. <laughs> He's a bit grumpy. He had that lovely spell, that long unbeaten run. He was just chirpy, loving his players, loving what they were they were bringing to the table. But there's been a slight dip in standards. Maybe they're not working quite as hard on and off the ball as they were. I think that they've had a few injuries and suspensions. Uh, which have disrupted that regular starting eleven. He's brought in some new players like Brooks and Rothwell, who who are good enough to be in the starting eleven. So all of a sudden he's got temptation. Do I play them or do I keep the guys that have been doing well? He's sort of rotating a little bit and maybe the rhythm has gone a little bit from the team. I mean, they controlled this match, 81% of possession, but you've got to admire... Millwall taking their opportunities, pouncing on a mistake from from the goalkeeper Gavin Bazunu for the first one. The handball for the penalty for me was harsh, but you know he tucked it away nicely and 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 they got themselves a victory, didn't they, Millwall? So yeah, new manager bounce, you know, right before our very eyes there. But but yeah, Southampton and Bazuno in particular, they need to bounce back because I think he a few mistakes at the earlier in the season, he recovered from that. The goalkeeper was superb on during that unbeaten spell but yeah he's made one or two rickets mm. lately and and that could have a destabilizing effect on the players in front of him if it lingers so he really really needs a big performance next time out a gap between Leeds in second and fourth place Southampton now at five points um, so maybe the Saints slipping up if they can't turn things around they do play Birmingham next on the road in the league but they have a trip to Anfield before that which I don't know how you feel about it. You know, is it is it a free hit for a team like Southampton going to Anfield? I imagine it is, yeah. given the quality that Liverpool have. Of course, they lifted the Carabao Cup yesterday live on TalkSport. But who's going to play for Liverpool here? I mean, there's the no thing. players left. It's um, they, they're down to the bare bones. So they, they might end up playing, you know, Liverpool second string. Really, it's an opportunity to get into mm. the last eight of the FA Cup. But but for me, Southampton because they're so close to the Premier League that. That has to be the priority, the league. So it wouldn't surprise me if he if he rotates, you know, five, six, seven players. But for Southampton, as I was just saying, I don't think that's such a big deal because they've got, the, you know, there's not a lot to choose between the subs and the starters. You can see it in one or two ways, right? We can really kickstart things once again if we get what would be an incredible victory against the Premier League leaders away from home. Um, but also, I think Russell Martin, he seems like the kind of guy that wants to show his quality as a coach. And he will want Southampton to put their best foot forward so that he can show everyone in football, you know, that we are coming. Even if we don't get promoted, you know, this is a side that is going places. Mm. So I, I think... Don't want to get battered either, do you? Yeah, I think... You know, don't want to go there and be outclassed and it knocks your confidence even further. Further. So, yeah, there's a he's got a big decision to make yeah, over, yeah, yeah. over the team selection. But I, I think they'll equip themselves well. Just finally on the playoff picture, um, Hull one. West Brom won a draw for Norwich at Blackburn. That meant the big winners really in the hunt for the top six were Preston, who beat Coventry. Remember, we're hearing Coventry against uh, Maidstone United in the FA Cup from 7.45. But they did play on Friday night. Now five points between fifth and ninth. Um, so very, very tight there. What do, you, what do you make of the playoff picture right now after the weekend? It's, it's very, very exciting. No doubt about it. I mean, yeah, Hull, Hull City drawing with West Brom sort of gives encouragement, doesn't it, to your Norwiches, Preston, Coventry themselves. I, I, I wouldn't go as far as Sunderland. I think that's that's it. Now, I'd go down to ninth. I think the contenders are West Brom, Hull, Norwich, Preston and Coventry for two spaces. And there's not a lot to choose between them. Hull are probably the form team. 
And I, lo- I love the recruitment they've done. I mean, Liam Rossinia has, has got a good eye for talent, but he's also obviously a good negotiator because he's managed to persuade some excellent players to join Hull City either permanently or on loan this season. So, yeah, I think Hull... I'll have a shot at it this time around. But, yeah, what a result for Preston here. Obviously, they just blitzed Coventry, didn't mm. they, in that first half. It was a bit of a messy game. Things didn't go Coventry's way. There was an individual error from De Silva. Yeah. There, was an, there was an own goal in there. One of those nights to forget for the host. But for Preston, it just gives them a bit of belief. Up next, we will dive into Millwall's performance at Southampton in a little bit more detail. We haven't discussed the appointment of Neil Harris at length, so we'll do that too, as well as looking at some of the big results towards the bottom of the table. But you're listening to EFL All Access on TalkSport 2 in partnership with McDonald's. Automate delivery on the McDonald's app. You'll get yourself tasty reward points. It's 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. UFL All Access on TalkSport 2. You're listening to EFL All Access on Talk Sport 2. I'm Hugh Wissencroft alongside uh, the former Arsenal and Stevenage midfielder Adrian Clark. Now we talk about the top, let's talk about the bottom next. Um, it's a key area, obviously, um, and one that we thought for a while was going to be hard to judge. No one was really picking up the points that they needed to move significantly in the table. Well, this weekend, I don't know, everyone had their shredded wheat. I don't know what happened because pretty much everyone at the bottom won, OK? We had a big clash between two teams at the bottom um, and we had one team in there in particular dropping into the bottom three who didn't win this weekend. We're going to talk about them in a few moments' time. Uh, but I did say that we talk about Millwall. I know we mentioned Southampton, of course, from the, the top of the table perspective. But the win for Millwall over Southampton takes them to 20th in the table. Neil Harris says he hopes his fourth stint at Millwall will be unbelievably successful, uh, as the same as his first three as a player and manager. Um, Of course, Joe Edwards was sacked following a run of four wins in 19 games. Incoming Harris says his job was to reinvigorate a fan base, galvanise the players to be in a good Millwall team and to do that as quickly as possible. Let's hear what he had to say after that surprise victory. Surprised many of us this weekend. Here's the reason he gave for returning to the club. Me just coming back with my character and my Millwall connection and, and, and my relationship with the football club and the fan base, I think I'd like to think lifted everybody. The fact that I walk in a change room where I've given eight or nine of them the Millwall debuts which helps because they know me and I stay in touch with all of them since I've left. Um, so that really helps. I think the lads that I've inherited that have been here, signed after I left, I think they know all about me before I got here <laughs> already. And they certainly learned a lot in the last 30, 36 or 40 hours about my character. Um, but I'm just here to help them, support them. You know, that's why I've been invited back to the football club or asked to come back to the football club um, because they wanted that Millwall connection. They needed somebody to guide the players. We've got some good players. We've got some really good players. We've got a good group. They just need some belief and confidence and, and, and a bit of Millwall knowledge. Um, today's just a start. Really interesting, that comment from Neil Harris, Adrian, because I thought he'd mentioned being a good coach at some point. I thought he might want to say, you know, by the way, I'm not just here because of my Millwall connection. I'm here because we can do we can be really successful on the pitch. We can change the style. We can start winning matches. But it was all about his character, Neil mm. Harris. And that's why he said he'd been brought back to the football club. Is that the best reason 
to bring back a coach? Well, <laughs> okay, yeah, for, for most clubs you'd probably say no, but I do think Millwall is quite a unique place. I think you have to get it. it, it you know, the fans demand, you know, they have certain demands and they're, they're accustomed to a certain level of effort and a certain style of play. And I don't know, yeah, Neil Harris gets it. They love him. You know, he loves them clearly. It's, it's a really fascinating appointment because... What they did was move away from the Neil Harris style of football, really. They went with Gary Rowett, who was similar, really, in, in my opinion. And then they decided, well, no, let's go for someone. Let's go for someone different in, in, in Joe Edwards and bring in, I don't know, more modern philosophy, you know, more possession football, just to, just to switch up so that they can have a, a different model moving forwards. Now, 19 games into that, they've, they've gone back on it. They've decided, actually, let's forget that, that, that change in the brand of football and just build on, on the solid Millwall foundations that have kept us in the championship for, for, for many, many years. So, or not for that many years because they've, they've dropped mm. down to League One. But you know what I mean. Yeah. They've just gone back to the old Millwall way. And, and the reason, in my opinion, is that the fans weren't with the team. They weren't with the club. And I think, obviously, with what happened with the tragic you know, death of the owner, mm. the family taking over... They didn't want that connection to break. Yeah. And it felt as if it was. And, and that's why they've made a populist appointment mm. in, Neil, in Neil Harris. But also a really good one because he's a terrific manager. See, for me, it was about finding that DNA. And I think, if you like, if that's what you're looking for, then you've made the perfect appointment in getting Neil Harris in. I still would have question marks as to why so recently you thought it was a good idea to change all of that with Joe Edwards and now you've suddenly changed it's, your it's mind. It's harsh on Joe. It's really yeah. harsh because he would have changed it and he would have brought in some really quality players and he would have he would have uh, made a more probably entertaining style of football and, and he, he would have delivered on mm. what they wanted him to do in my opinion but results are everything and they just press the panic button because they're so close to the drop zone and, and gone to what they know and what they know is Neil Harris and... Um, I, th I, th yeah, I think he'll keep them up, and but it's, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like a long-term appointment. No, and what would the long-term future of the club be now in your eyes now that they've appointed Neil Harris? Because for me, it's you know we know our DNA, we know who we are, we want to go out and see a team that fights and works hard every Saturday afternoon and gives us something to be proud of. Yes, but where is the club going? in the long term which is what the owner's responsibility is yeah well, how far can they go really the size of the club you know to to reach the playoffs in the championship when you're a club of Mills size you've got to have outstanding management in terms of in the dugout mm. you've got to have outstanding recruitment and you've got to have very very good owners that, that are willing to invest and build year on year now if all that comes together Millwall can challenge towards the top end of the division like they did in fairness under Neil Harris previously so yeah let, let's see let's get let's give him a chance I mean it's been quite the season mm. for, for Chopper hasn't it I mean he was at Gillingham yeah. and, you know and, and, and then Cambridge. he moved on to yeah. Cambridge and he was there five minutes did ever so well for Cambridge and then and then he moves on it it was a, it was a tough call, but an easy call for him because yeah, sure. I think the, I think he he felt there's only one team I'd I'd leave for, and it was Millwall. We'll talk he, about uh, Cambridge a little bit later on and how they pick pick up the pieces, if you like, after he uh, decided to change clubs. Um, but I did want to talk about the bottom of the table, as I mentioned, wins for Queens Park Rangers, Sheffield Wednesday, and Huddersfield this weekend. Rotherham's record run without an away win, stretching to 30 games after QPR's comeback victory took them out of the drop zone, a third successive win 
uh, helps QPR leapfrog Stoke. They drop into the bottom three uh, now. And Rotherham, 16 points from safety with 12 games to go, facing really the reality of a return to League One. Had to really win uh, this weekend. Uh, Sheffield mm. Wednesday continue their upturn in form. They beat Bristol City 2-1. And we'll talk about Watford, I think, in, in more detail. Uh, but they were beaten by Huddersfield, so it was an important point for them. The Terriers' new boss, Andre Brighton, writer, having an immediate impact. They move up to 19th. What did you make of the results this weekend towards Big. the bottom of the table? M- huge swing, wasn't it? Mm. And it's, it's, it's massive lift, obviously, for, for Queen's Park Rangers, for, for Sheffield Wednesday. Um, and it's a terrible weekend for for uh, Stoke City, wasn't it? Obviously, yeah. with, with everybody else winning, them losing at Cardiff City, Stoke need goals. They, I was at the game, okay, and it was ages ago. Rain Rooney was still in charge of Birmingham. It was on Boxing Day. That's the last time Stoke City scored more than one goal in a game. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to win very many football matches if the max you're going to score in a match is is one. So they need to fix that and fix it fast because they're not as solid as they were previously. Rotherham are down, aren't they? I think I think you know they won't accept it yet, but I think everyone else knows that. Um, but for for Queens Park Rangers and Sheffield Wednesday, they have hope. Obviously, Willock Willock um, was a difference maker for QPR at the weekend, and Ike Ugbo absolutely yeah. on fire, isn't he, for Sheffield Wednesday? What a what a piece of recruitment that was by yeah. Danny Roll. So um, yeah, they they will start to believe. And Stoke, well, they need to pick up very very quickly. I fear for the future of Stephen Schumacher. To be perfectly honest, when I look at the fixtures in March. Uh, Middlesbrough at home on Saturday is a big one. That's probably the easiest fixture of them all. (laughs) Exactly, because they go away to Leeds United, away to Preston. They've got Norwich City at home and then away at Hull City. You know, teams chasing either promotion or the playoffs. That's before a game against Huddersfield uh, on April the 1st. But I don't know if Stephen Schumacher will will get there unless there is a huge upturn in fortunes mm. for them um, some very tough fixtures very tough yeah very and you know I wonder if he's got any regrets obviously he's he's left Plymouth in a, in a good position and he, he, he believes that Stoke have a higher ceiling but the squad he's inherited isn't as hungry as the one he had at Plymouth unfortunately a lot of these players probably think they're too good to be there you know on decent money are they as motivated? And, and it doesn't appear to be the case. So he's got to really draw on everything he's learned in management until this point, Stephen Schumacher, to turn it around. We know he's good. Yeah. He knows he's good. Stoke know he's good. But if he doesn't get the results quickly, and they have now lost six of their last seven, then, um, yeah, he, like Joe Edwards, the tenure could be short. Yeah. OK, all right. We'll talk about Watford straight after the break. You're listening to EFL All Access on TalkSport 2 in partnership with McDonald's. You can order McDelivery in the McDonald's app. You'll get yourself tasty reward points. It's 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. This is EFL All Access on Talk Sport 2. Remember, from 7pm, we'll have all the build-up at the CBS Arena to Coventry City against Maidstone United, the non-league side, at 95 places below tonight's hosts and looking to be just the second side in almost 110 years from the non-league to make it through 
to the final eight of the FA Cup. A massive, massive evening for them. Before we get there, plenty still to discuss on EFL All Access. And let's talk about Watford. Adrian Clark, who's at the CBS Arena. Uh, it's reported TalkSport understands Watford on the verge of sacking Valerian Ismail following defeat to Huddersfield at the weekend. And they've won just once in their last nine championship appearances. Uh, the Hornets beaten 2-1 at Vicarage Road. That leaves them 11th in the table. And as you mentioned earlier, probably slipping out of playoff contention. Now, sacking Ismail, who was appointed boss in May of 2023, will mean Watford would be looking for an 11th manager since 2020. Um, let's hear from Valerian Ismail because I spoke to him back in October after his contract extension was agreed. Yeah, a contract extension after just three months, but that's what he got. Here's what he had to say about his long-term plans. I think it's it's a step by step, uh, as you say. The, the first step was to uh, to have the clean out, to, to to change the mentality, to to put more discipline in the in the squad or on the, the seat, to create that work ethic within the the club, um, to stick together, and um, and now to to give the chance to the young players to to develop throughout the the, the two uh, transfer period. We need to uh, to find the the right player. So and and this is will be our way in the rebuilding. It was interesting, Adrian, because in that interview, he spoke so much about the long term, so much about, um, yeah, exactly what you heard there, rebuilding and young players as well, but also kind of implied heavily the club was going to move away from the constant switching of managers that had led to them having a disjointed squad, maybe players who weren't fully committed to Watford. You know, it was about time that they backed one manager to create a project. And that was meant to be Valerian Ismail. That contract extension was meant to be the outward sign of Watford saying, we've changed. Because actually, you'll remember when they announced the contract extension, it was almost like they'd um, pranked the whole football world. They put out the statement. We all thought it was Ismail getting sacked and it was a contract <laughs> extension. So for, for now, for him to be sacked in the same season would seem... Very strange. Very strange. Yeah, I think. I th- what's the point in sacking him? They're, they're not going. They're probably not going up. They're not going down. Mm. At least give him an opportunity to build, to to bring in players that he wants, rather than players that other managers signed. I mean, how many players at Watford have, have signed for different managers? There must, you know, there must be, you know, going back quite some time now. You have got a stretch of managers that have that have brought in these guys that now he has to work with it the problem at Watford is a, is a disconnect again like 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 we were talking about earlier between the fans and the club they can't get attached to any manager they can't get attached to any players it seems like everyone is just passing through yeah. at Vicarage Road and that isn't the way to do things in football the way to 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 create success especially at championship level I think is to is to build and to do it incrementally and to, and to do it as harmoniously as you can with you know with the fans right on board and you know I don't think they're calling for him to necessarily leave are they just just let him bring in his own players this summer and and let's see if that if that different mode of working actually clicks yeah we shall see I think it would be a big big shout for the football club and it would be I think an outward sign to footballers who might sign in the summer that Watford haven't changed, you know, and, and I think that would be a really negative message for the club to send out. Great. No one expected perfection in the first season of Valerian Ismail. It's certainly not that right now. There were always going to be tough times if you're building something new. You know, he has to be back. So hopefully, fingers crossed, 
um, those stories are a bit of a little bit you know preempted and um, we shall see if he, he keeps on uh, in the hot seat at Vicarage Road let's move to League One Adrian a big game at the weekend between two of the top four Barnsley two Derby County one Adam Phillips scoring twice coming from behind Barnsley to win that game uh, Sonny Bradley had put the visitors uh, ahead in that game uh, the result takes Barnsley within three points of Derby following a run of just one defeat in 15 games there's a feeling slightly against uh, amongst the derby supporters that when it comes to the high pressure games the ones against the other teams around them at the top of the table that they they falter do you think that's fair uh, i don't know i don't know i think they've been on a pretty good run themselves derby county i think derby supporters have been a little bit um, they've been questioning the manager throughout the campaign. Earlier on in the season, I remember them talking about how they were struggling against teams with a low block. Now it's teams that are at the top end of the table. But look where they are. You know, they're second in the division. Mm. I don't think they've got that many problems. Barnsley are red hot right now. 25 points from the last 12. The only team in front of them in that form table over 12 games is Leighton Orient, by the way. What a run they've been on. Mm-hmm. So, look, Barnes, there's no shame in getting beat at Barnsley. Adam Phillips is on fire at the moment. Brilliant goal, the first one of the match. One thing I will say about Bar- Barnsley, though, is that they don't keep many clean sheets. One in the last 15, but they keep scoring multiple goals, and that's, that's what's getting them over the line. They're winning tight match after tight match. This is the story. It's, it's like they're in trouble, they, they come back, and then they ultimately win the game. I, I think over the last 14 matches, they've either all been draws or one-goal victories. And the one loss that they had was just by a goal as well. So, yeah, they're winning tight games, not blowing anyone away at the moment, Barnsley, but they're in, they're in good nick. Uh, Blackpool 4... Bolson won. Uh, Blackpool keeping their playoff hopes alive. Uh, Ten-man Bolton, of course, in the end as well. George Thomason opening the scoring uh, just nine minutes in for Bolton, but there were goals from Jake Beasley, Marvin Ekpeteta uh, turning the game around before half-time. Uh, Beasley grabbing his second after 68 minutes and Jordan Lawrence-Gabriel adding a fourth mm. uh, late on as well. Um, what did you make of that result? It was highly impressive. Stunning result, isn't it? Um, Bolton just hate playing Blackpool away I was two the last time we won there <laughs> so like you're going back a bit let me tell you so it's just one of those grounds that doesn't seem to you know be a happy hunting ground Blackpool needed it because you remember in the week they went out in the Bristol Street Motors Trophy yeah. semi-final to Posh in limp fashion you're listening to EFL All Access here uh, on Talk Sport 2 in association uh, with McDonald's um, it's ultimate delivery on the McDonald's app you'll get yourself tasty reward points 18 plus Terms and conditions apply. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. UFL All Access on TalkSport 2. Hello. Hopefully you're hearing me loud and clear. It's Hugh Wizencroft here on EFL All Access. And we are reconnected with the CBS Arena where Adrian, Adrian Clark was cut off in his pomp uh, discussing uh, what was going on in League One. No puns intended. We didn't get to, to Portsmouth, but um, we were discussing uh, Blackpool's 4-1 win over Bolton. Um, 
listen, we were going to talk very quickly. I know we mentioned it earlier, so I might as well ask you just about Cambridge United. Today they confirmed Barry Corr's going to stay in charge for the next two games while they look for that replacement for Neil Harris. Uh, they were beaten 1-0 by Peterborough on Saturday, three days after Harris left for Millwall. Um, mm. just, just very quickly on that decision for, for Harris to leave, where it leaves Cambridge right now, will the fans have every right to feel aggrieved, do you think? Yeah, oh, yeah, I feel sorry for them. Yeah, I really do, because they'd, they'd built up a pretty instant rapport with Neil Harris. I think he, he was, he's a manager that works very hard at that, and I think the fans were fully on board with him, seemed to get on great with the players, and there was a definite upturn. It's just bad luck mm. for them that Millwall, Millwall were going through a sticky patch and they, they turned to, to Neil Harris. And I, I think he would have turned down a lot of jobs, but I just don't think he could turn down going back to Millwall for a fourth spell or second as a head coach. So, look, I, I just hope Cambridge were well compensated by Millwall because yeah. they deserve to be paid compensation for that. And I just wonder if natural order might restore itself. If I were them, I'd go, I'd go for Mark Bonner. I, I think yeah. he's, he, was, he, he did a terrific job for them over a long period of time. He's a fan of the club. You know, they know that they get on fantastically. Um, I just wonder if they'll turn back to him. I think that would be quite a romantic story. Okay, all right, all right. Let's move to League Two. Uh, Mansfield 5, Salford 1 at the weekend. Some news today that Salford are looking for new investment. They they really need results, though, as well. Uh, Mansfield Town uh, moving to the top of League Two, a 5-1 demolition of Salford City. Will Swan gave them the lead before Junior Luamba uh, levelled for Salford. However, Mansfield... Uh, went in at half-time ahead through Bailey Cargill. Goals in the second half from Davis Keylord Dunn, Lucas Aikins, uh, Hiram Boateng as well, securing that resounding victory. Uh, Mansfield's title credentials, do you see them as favourites? I think with Stockport having a real stutter, then yeah, I think so. And, and the firepower makes such a difference, doesn't it? Obviously, four wins from the last five, but three of those wins, they scored four, they scored nine, and they scored five. Mm. You know, this is a team that can absolutely obliterate the opposition. Um, they are putting teams to the sword. I talked about Barnsley in League One winning tight games. Well, Mansfield are, are battering teams. So that's a really positive sign. Great result this because Salford were unbeaten under Carl Robinson. Their high line was badly exposed. Some really poor defending. You know, several of the goals they, they ran through. Um, and, and I've looked at some of the numbers here. Wait for this for a stat. Mansfield have had 90, 9-0 more shots in open play than any of the current top four in League Two. Wow, wow, unbelievable. That's a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, I was about to talk to you about the lack of goal scoring at Stockport. They haven't scored in the last three games. Um, Mm. And they're a team that I thought might have been leading in that. Maybe until those three games they were. you're right, they are falling away at the wrong time. Crew now into the automatic promotion mm. places. They had a victory over Notts County at Meadow Lane. Um, big pressure already on Stuart Maynard. Um, they're dropping to 13th in the table now. A lot of Notts County supporters worrying on social media that Stuart Maynard isn't really the man they think can take this club forward. What do you make of both of those sides, at Crew and Notts County at this point? Well, um, let's, let's start with the positive, and that's Crew. Absolutely, you know, flying under Lee Bell, you know, an unheralded manager really, but he, he's he's extracting the best out of them. 17 set-piece goals now. Dimitri, the centre-half, scored at the weekend with his eighth of the campaign. So, look, we know where their strengths lie. They, they score lots of goals too. Crew, Alexandra, home and away. 
Um, so they're in the mix. They've been underdogs all season. I don't think anyone expected them to be top three, but that's where they find themselves. And good luck to them between now and the end of the season. They're up against some big clubs around them, of course, with Wrexham and Stockport and, and, and MK Dons as well. Um, so it won't be easy. As for Notts County, I mean, I think Notts County fans... I understand why they're worried, but they should just give give this guy a little bit more time. Stuart Maynard, you know, he's having to make a lot of adjustments. He's come out of part-time football to, to be full-time. He's relocated. He's having to, you know, work out how to be a full-time gaffer. Mm. Um, he is the right fit, star-wise. You know, the players that they've got suits Stuart Maynard's style of football. For me, the only real issue, and it's quite a big issue, he's got to sort out the defence. It was poor under mm. the previous manager. They were they were shipping goals left, right, and centre under Luke Williams. But the difference was they were sort of outscoring teams four yeah, three. Yeah. That's that stopped. So yeah, that's that's the area he needs to address. But ugh, I think it would be crazy to um, to lose faith in this guy so soon. Uh, at the bottom, massive result for Forest Green. who beat Tranmere Rovers by a goal to nil. Uh, with 10 men as well. Um, Charlie McCann, stunning strike, enough for all three points, despite Ryan Innes uh, being sent off late on Forest Green and now just four points off safety. Mm-hmm. However, Grimsby Town in 22nd have a game in hand. Uh, are they starting to show under Steve Cottrell that they can push on, they can get the results that they need to stay up? Well, this result shows that, that they are, doesn't mm-hmm. it? I mean, yeah, to get a clean sheet against Tranmere. Is an achievement in itself because they they score plenty of goals. What a goal it was, by the way, from yeah. Charlie McCann. Look, Steve Cottrell knows what he's doing. He's been a manager for decades because because he's good, mm. and he's he's particularly sort of specialised at, at this level. So, I think they have got the right guy in charge. They've left it a bit late. Yeah. They're going to need a bit of a special run, I think, between now and the end of the season. And I don't know if their players are good enough, but. They've got the right man leading them in their charge. And look, if, if they don't stay up, if they do go down, they need to stick with him. Because I think un- under Cottrell, they, they can bounce back Forest Green. Uh, just, uh, I guess, away from the games this weekend, something to ask you about, and that is Barrow against Bradford City being called off. Barrow said they're going to complain to the EFL after the game, uh, which was seemingly going ahead deemed uh, unplayable by officials after an inspection just over an hour before the kickoff now Barry said in a statement we believe the pitch is in a playable state we're extremely disappointed by this outcome we will put a complaint towards the EFL sixth in the table they instead conducted an open training session on the pitch so they actually went out there <laughs> yeah, on the pitch which made it even worse because it couldn't have been could, that bad could couldn't it? have been that bad exactly it was almost underlining the fact that they could have had a game fans inside the stadium some of them already um, Pete Wilde the Barrow boss saying I actually offered Bradford to train on the other half of the pitch so maybe we could have a training game which is just <laughs> unbelievable and then basically he, um, Pete, Pete Wilde saying Graham Alexander was up for it but he thought it might not be a great thing for the football league and he kind of said I understand that as well mm. he was he was furious really with the decision what did you make of it I yeah. know you didn't see the pitch no but I think if they had a training game it might might not have gone down brilliantly with the, with the EFL I suppose but um, look, the referee's got a decision to make he's just got to use his own professional judgement I can't see why he 
would want to call off the game. I think the disappointment for Barrow also comes in that there was a big crowd expected and I think that Bradford had sold out their away allocation. I think, you know, almost a thousand fans. So it would have been, you know, generated quite you know, a bit of welcome cash for them too. So look, it, it, it's unusual, isn't it, for a referee and the two managers to be at such loggerheads over the state of the pitch. But... What can you do? You've just got to, you've just got to move on. Mm. It's, it, ultimately, the ref was in charge of that game and he's made his call. And it was a big one. It was a big one. Um, Pete, well, not very happy. We'll see if he gets an explanation. And a reminder, you can listen to us here on EFL All Access every Monday from 6pm on TalkSport 2. If you miss the show, you can listen back on the TalkSport app. It's also available as a podcast. You can download that wherever you get your podcast from. Just search for EFL All Access.